So we've been talking about favor, and we're moving into this portion of the series where we're talking about the need for God's favor. And, uh, and not just we need it a little bit. We need God's favor, like, desperately. And uh, it's, it's my contention tonight that as disciples of Jesus, we cannot truly do what we need to do on this earth to accomplish His will without His favor. If we're truly living a life that uh, is set apart, a will that is, you know, submitted to his will, faith that's overcoming the world, we cannot do that without his favor. Because everything in this world and in this world system is completely counterintuitive to Jesus. Right? You may, be, may remember me saying this last week. The invisible rules the what? The visible. The invisible rules the, the visible. And it's true, the spiritual world is similar to the natural world in some areas, but it's really different as well. And especially when we look at the kingdom of God versus the kingdoms of this world, we have a lot of contrast, right? We see in this world, this world says, do what you got to do to get ahead. Step on somebody, cajole, manipulate, self-promote, declare whatever, do whatever you got to do. Hustle. Right? Work hard, stay humble, hustle. I always think of do the hustle. What somebody has a dance, some of you will know that as you get older or younger or whatever. Do the hustle. <laughs> that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about do whatever you got to do. Get in somebody's face and, and, and promote it. And that, that's what the world says. That's what you got to do to get ahead. Jesus says, if you want to be the, the greatest of all, to humble yourself. Now, that's the opposite. Right? The world is over going, if you want to be the greatest of all, number one, buy my book. Right? You know what I mean? That's what they say. I'll show you how to be the greatest in this thing. I'll show you how to get a million dollars in 38 days. I'll show you how to get a yacht and a house. And I'll show you everything, how to be a success, how to do it fast, how to do it overnight. Um, this is how to do it. And Jesus is over going, no, this is what you do. You, you humble yourself. That's the opposite of the world. Right? Now, God bless the Oscars or whatever. That that is like that is like the the penultimate celebration of ourselves. Of just like, man, you did a good job. Wait, great job. You are so awesome. Come come over here and buy my book and watch my movie. I'll show you how to be a success. And we're over there parading around. Look how good we are. And look how beautiful we are. Look how amazing we are. That's the opposite of humbling yourself. Getting Jesus says you must become the least of these. He says, he says, look, if you want to be the greatest, well, you've got to become the least of these. And he points over, and there's these little kids. Now, there's a difference between childlikeness and childishness. We have too much of childishness in the world today, which is immaturity. Jesus is saying, be like a child. Be as innocent. Be as humble. Be as hungry as a child. Yeah. I've got three hungry, hungry kids. Just before we left, my youngest son, Jonah, was like, can I get a tortilla to go? And we're like, we're going to get pizza on the way. And he's like, I'll just have it in the car, though. You know, just, and then after this, that's after he's going to have snacks at that church. And on the way home, he's going to be like, I'm still hungry. That's one of his favorite things. And then he'll go home and he'll pour himself a big bowl of cereal and eat it. And he's like, Man, what, where's the food going? Right? But that's the way we should be with, with God is we're so hungry. We're so seeking after him, right? That we're hungry that everywhere we go, in the car, at church, at work, wherever, we're, who's, who's got something to eat? Jesus, what do you got for us, right? The world says if you want to be rich and prosperous and blessed, whatever you want to do to be comfortable living in the USA, you got to hoard, you got to manipulate, you got to scrimp, you got to push, you got to save, right? Jesus says the opposite of that. He says give and it will be given back to you. That's the opposite of the world. Hoard, you know, 
get it, can it, sit on the can, don't let anybody touch the can. You know, and that, that, that's, I'm saving it all for that one day, and I'm going to keep it forever. And Jesus says, no, give, and it will be given back to you. He says in, in Ecclesiastic, it says, cast your bread upon the waters, and it will come back to you after many days. And the idea is that you're going to sow and you're going to reap. The world is saying, keep it, store it all, do whatever you got to do. The invisible rules, the visible. And let me add to this statement this, as we, we drive further into this favor thing. Whatever you repeatedly hear, you will eventually believe. I'll say it again. It was so good. It was worthy. Whatever you repeatedly hear, you will eventually believe. Okay? People have been confused for decades by the exodus of teenagers after they graduate high school. We don't understand why these, why these kids are walking away from the church as soon as they graduate high school. Where do they go? They go straight into college. What does college tell them over and over again? There is no God. Creation is false. Man has been around for millions of years. We've, we've observed that. That's what science is. Science is observing. And I say, well, show me the film. What do you mean? Well, when you were there billions of years ago, who got the videotape of it, right? You observed it happen. Let's see it. Show me a video of the Big Bang. Go ahead. Come on, bring it up. I'd love to see it. Show me the part where man, where monkeys changed into man. Go ahead. Show me the bones. Let me observe it. Just like you observed it. Oh, you don't have any. Oh, okay. Whatever you repeatedly hear, you eventually believe. And so they step out of their parents used to drag them to church. They used to like going to youth church all through elementary school, all through high school. They get into college and they're over there going, there is no God. There's all this false, you know, that's so dumb. You shouldn't do that. You should come over and do this. Try all these things repeatedly hearing over and over and over. And guess what? I went to college. I loved college. I've worked with college students for decades. And I love, I'm going to have kids who go to college and learn about Jesus and become great smart minds and things like that. So I'm not against it. I'm against what you repeatedly hear you'll eventually believe. What are you allowing yourself to hear over and over and over and over and over again? Whom are you listening to? What are you listening to? What's your faith like? If your faith is low and feeble and you're constantly living in this realm of doubt, then I would say you've got to change what you hear. This is why, you know, I remember when I was a youth pastor, I'd always tell young people, look, you don't want to listen to this stuff. They say, oh, that's because you're so religious and holier than thou. And I'm, no, I said, no, you don't get it. What you repeatedly hear, you will eventually believe. So if you hear the music talking about doing all these things, guess what you're going to want to do? You're going to actually believe those things are cool. That those things are things that are natural and should be done. That I should go and just, whatever the music says, whatever the TV says. And you say, no, pastor, that's too extreme. It's extreme when you keep hearing it over and over and you start living it over and over. We forget the compounding interest. The devil, he's smart. He wised up, was like, okay, I'm not just going to blast them with this. I'm just going to keep throwing it at them all day long from every nook and cranny. I'm just going to keep bringing every single type of medium. I'm going to keep doing it so that A will eventually believe it. One of the lies that we've heard time and time again is that beautiful people win. That if you want to really make it in life, you have to have a certain look. You got to be tall. You got to be slender. You got to be without blemish. And then the question is, what happens if that's not who I am? What if it happens if I don't fit into that look? Am I never going to make it? 
Tonight, I want to talk to you about how God's favor is able to overcome the physical barriers of this world system. Let's turn to the book of Daniel, or I'm just going to read it to you. It says this, and I'm going to read a little lengthy portion. You have a Bible on the seat in front if you want to join in. Daniel 1, verses 1 through 20. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay, so there were Jer- Judah was its own nation. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, comes and takes it over. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried back to his land, to his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish. They were good-looking. They were gifted in all wisdom. They were able to possess knowledge. They were quick to understand. They had the ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. The king appointed them for a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of the time they may serve before the king. Now among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names, To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart, say purposed in his heart, that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not, uh, excuse me, that he requested of the chiefs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor of, and goodwill of the chief of eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink. Why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward who had been set over them, he says, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who are eating the portion of the delicacies by the king. And as you see fit, deal with your servants. So he consents with them in this matter, tested them 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. As for these four young men... God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found. None was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better, say ten times better, better. than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you as living and sharper and powerful. God, I pray tonight that our hearts would be open up to hear the word of God. I pray that our hearts would be good soil. We'd hear the word. It would go down. We would receive it, Lord, and we would be blessed, and we would bear fruit 30, 60, and of a hundredfold in Jesus. And everybody said, <clears throat> amen. So since the dawn of mankind, the elevation of beauty has been one of mankind's greatest struggles, okay? On one hand, you've got the immutable truth that we've been created in the image and likeness of God, and that's amazing. It's wonderful. It's awe-inspiring. 
it is in and of itself, we are in and of ourselves proof that there is a God, right? That the complexity of the human body, the glory of the human body, it is so amazing that nobody on earth can replicate it, right? There are no clones. I don't know if there will be. I, won't, I, won't, I can't say that there will be. I don't know. They, they do crazy things, and the devil's smart. I'm not going to tell him, you know, he's not dumb. But at this point, they have not been able to do that. And so we see that man is the crowning glory of God's creation. He's above the animals, okay? Man is not equal to animals. Man subdues animals. Animals are not on the same level as humans. You just said, you said the same thing three or four times. I know, I just want to make it clear, okay, that, you know, I know it's popular nowadays to refer to animals as fur babies, but animals are not human babies, okay? I love animals. They're cute. Some of them are delicious. You know what I mean? That's great. But here is, <laughs> here's the thing. They are not humans, and so they should, the value of animals should not be placed on par with humans. Are you with me? Okay. Just, just want to get that out there. So we're all on the same page. We can essentially say that, you know I mean? David says like this, we are beautifully, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made us and he thought about us and he put us in the right place and all this wonderful stuff. At the same time, we celebrate the diversity of every human on earth. If you'll notice about our logo, there's multiple colors in it. And the reason that is, is because God is a God of multi-ethnicities and multi-languages and multi-colors. And it's not just white. It's not just black. It's, it's everything in between. Black, brown, yellow, orange, whatever. All these different colors. And we as a church should represent earth. Right? We should represent our city. Over 140 languages are spoken natively in Los Angeles. Guess what? God wants every one of those languages in here. Our logo is based on Revelation 21 and 22, where it says that all those nations, they came down and they bowed before God and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We want to be a church that represents every ethnicity, that we'd have multiple, that every people would gather together in worship of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. On the other hand, though, we do to our sin nature, we will also pervert this natural desire to celebrate each other will say, this person is the model human. We see this most, you know, directly and very simply in Nazi Germany, right? Hitler says, this is the master race. Everybody must look like this. To the point that he would go and murder those who did not look like that. Those who had deformities, those who are of different races, those who are, had different, even down to illnesses, we were watching a TV show the other day that is, is a little bit was a bit about kind of Nazi Germany and things like that. That they would eradicate people who were just sick, because if you were sick, there was something wrong with you, and therefore you were obviously not a part of the man. That's perversion. That you would elevate some person or some ideal above God and above human life. Now the thing is, the devil after that once. World War II ended and all of man, all of history was, has seen how disgusting and how awful that was. The devil, who's really in control of the world system, if you remember that, the invisible rules the visible, he wised up and said, okay, I'm not going to be as blatant about it as I was before. So now in the modern day, we call the same thing, the idea of holding up a perfect thing, we now call it pro-choice. 
See, the devil wants to destroy mankind because he knows that we're the ones who are going to step on his head. It was prophesied back in Genesis. So the devil, he keeps changing his scheme, but the same thing comes over and over and over again. He wants to destroy you and I. So instead of saying it's a master race, now he says it's about a woman's right to choose. Let me just, I'll let that sink in for a second, but let me rephrase it like this. If I were to tell you that for you to go on living comfortably in life, that one innocent person would have to die, I don't think anybody in their right mind would say, I'm, com- I'm okay with that. Yet, every day in America, and this is not a big old rant on abortion, but it is in a way, every day in America, that goes on. Innocent people are murdered so that we can go on living comfortably. And that's, that's the lie of the enemy. That's the perversion of the enemy to say that you are greater than somebody else. You are more special. Your rights are greater than their rights. You say, well, that's, that's people think like that and they get so perverted now. It's easier to abort than it is to put an animal who's actually sick down. You're far worse a human being if you put down an animal, but you go ahead and celebrate pro-choice. This is what I'm saying. This is where it's, it's, it's messed up. The lies of the enemy. What you repeatedly hear, you will eventually believe. And the whole world is believing the lies of the enemy. And so we have to constantly be cutting through the confusion. And as we get closer to the end time, it's going to be even more confusing and more confusing to the point that on Facebook, it's no longer male and female. It's 300 things that you can choose from. That's confusing. That doesn't make sense. Let's just go back to the simplicity that is in Christ, male or female. That's all you get. No other option. Sorry. The devil wants to destroy us because we've been created in his image. In the book of Daniel, we see this story here of a young man named Daniel and his squad. He and the rest of the Jews, they're living in the promised land, right? And all of a sudden, Babylon comes and takes over them, takes over their life and gets them out of there. Now they're all in captivity. Well, the king of Babylon, he's like, look, I'm trying to get something across here. I'm trying to indoctrinate everyone to believe what I believe. That's the king of Babylon, okay? He says that. So he goes and he grabs all these guys who were living in the promised land. They're no longer living in the promised land. Now they're living in this world system as slaves and as servants to a system that shows them no favor at all. Does that sound like anything right now? Right? You were, we were blessed. We were living in this great system. Now all of a sudden, Babylon has overtaken it, and now we're all slaves and servants to a world system, and there's, there's no favor. There's no, there's no, you get bonuses for being a Christian anymore in America, right? So the king of Babylon instructs his staff to go search for perfect specimens. He says, go find me from anywhere. Young men, no blemish, good-looking, gifted, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, and are able to work for me. Now, why does the king of Babylon want to do this thing? It says in in Daniel, it says that they might be taught the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. The language and literature of Babylon, which is a fancy way of saying that we can indoctrinate these beautiful people with Babylon's philosophy. 
It's an interesting strategy, right? Take the best-looking people in all the land, indoctrinate them, put them in front of the masses because they're good-looking, smart, famous, gifted, wealthy. Whatever they say, people will listen to. Does that, does that sound familiar? I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, ham-hand anything here, but, like, that's kind of what the state we're in now. I was reading this article the other day, and it said, you know, it was asking millennials about socialism, and they said that 70% of millennials wanted socialism. And then they said, what is the definition of socialism? And almost all of them answered, I don't know, like community and hanging out with people. And so they said, no, socialism at its most basic root is government controls business. Then they said, now that you know the definition of socialism, are you for or against socialism? And all of them turned around and said, no, we don't want socialism. We don't want America running Google. We don't want America running Apple. We don't want whatever you repeatedly hear, you'll eventually believe. If you just keep hearing, oh, socialism, that sounds cool. Social media, they got to be the same thing, right? Communism, that just means us getting together as a community and hanging out. Uh, Sorry, guys. Get some education. But they have been educated, right, by the world system to say that this is the right thing. How do we overcome this? How do we get ahead? How do we live life in Babylon where the system actually is rigged against us? One word, favor. Daniel was a child of God. He was like us. He worshiped God and it was able to live and thrive in the midst of the world system. And not only once did he do it, as we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, four different kings rose up in Babylon. And every time by the favor of God, Daniel was able to overcome and be one of the highest ranking people in all of Babylon. Yet he never compromised his morals, his relationship with God. He never once set it aside. And I find that interesting on a number of levels. The Bible says it like this, and it kind of sets up the the reference for the frame for the whole Bible. It says this, Daniel purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart to seek after God. So first thing we see that Daniel purposed in his heart, his heart and his life were given wholly over to God. There were no fear of repercussions for his faith. Think about that just for a second. Daniel had no fear of repercussions for his faith. He was already removed from the promised land. He was already uh, you know, in exile. He was already in the king's palace. And yet he could have lost everything if he would have just gone along with the program. And yet he says, you know what? I don't want to do that. I'd like you to bring me vegetables and water. And the eunuch is kind of like, dude, we have all of the best of the best here for you to eat. And he says, just, we'd like to do that. Daniel was saying, in essence, no matter the result, I serve God and God alone. Job or no job, God will get me another one. God will provide my sustenance. God will, will do whatever. Didn't say that he stopped learning about the culture, right? Because he, he still had to read. He still had to learn about it. He was still subjected to the teaching of Babylon for three years, but he never defiled himself. I see this as us doing our job completely for Jesus, but never compromising his presence or his will. That in your workplace, you can continually be a bold witness and still be blessed. 
and still be favored. And we tend to think in that if we do that, people will get mad at us. And they probably will. Some will get mad at us. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie and say that everything's going to be roses. But with the favor of God, it'll get you to the right place because you're actually solving problems better than the rest of the people around you. Second, he says he did not defile himself. He, how did he do this? He asked for a special diet of water and vegetables. Everyone else saw, saw Daniel and his crew were not eating what they were eating. And truth be told, even the guy who was overseeing the whole program, he says, look, if you guys don't eat what I give you, I'm endangered as well. So now it's not just Daniel and his squad endangering themselves. He's got the chief of the eunuchs endangering himself too. Daniel says, I want you to do this though. And what did it take Daniel to have with the chief of the eunuchs? It took favor. He had to have favor from God. He says, give me a 10-day basis. After the 10 days, the Bible says that they looked better and fatter than all the other people who were just stuffing their faces with Babylonian delicacies, probably Turkish delight, all that kind of stuff. That's a Narnia reference for those of you. You know what I call that? I call that favor. You don't need to defile yourself. We need God's favor. And too many of us think that if we, if we just compromise a little bit, that everything will be a lot smoother than if we seek and run into God's favor. And I'm telling you from the Bible and from personal experience, run into God's favor. Go after his favor. Don't go after the compromise. Go after the favor of God. How do we know that God favored Daniel? After 10 days, not only did they look better than everybody else, the chief of the eunuchs changed everybody's plan. He says, look, meal plan that you had before, it's over. Okay, you had the gold. This is the bronze. It's just water and vegetables. This isn't the, you know, the platinum level anymore. This is the bronze package, okay? Water and veggies. We don't have to bow to society's delicacies. Don't be fooled by the lies. Partake of God's diet, which is different. Let him make your way successful and joy-filled and satisfying, which is the real way to do it. I've said this for years, and I'll keep saying it. The worst type of life is the lukewarm Christian. Because you have all the condemnation of trying to be saved and not really being saved, and then you've got all the temptation of the world. You might as well just do one or the other. In fact, Jesus even says that, I wish you were hot or cold. Get hungry for God and go all in and go after him or remain cold and stay outside. Now, obviously, we know what God's choice was. It's be hot for him. Then it goes on to say that Daniel and his crew, they tested better than the rest. Not only were they healthier, they were smarter. We say, how can that be? Because God is omniscient. He knows everything and he knows it better than anyone. God has our answer. He has your answer. He has your strategy. He's got your way out. He's got your open door, your opportunity. He's got your healing. Whatever it is, he's got your answer. And we're over, oh, what do you think I should do? I'll check on social media. What do you think I should do? No, ask God what you think you should do. You will test better. Fourth, they could hear God better. When we choose not to cloud ourselves with the world system, we'll be able to hear God clearer. Who would like to hear God more clearly? Right? 
wouldn't we all? In fact, that's like the number one thing I hear from most people is I, I just don't feel like I'm hearing from God or I'm hearing clearly from God. Well, why is that? Because we got so much culture junk in our ears. We got to get it removed. I remember a friend was telling me a story of he went to this ear doctor and he was having a hard time hearing, just doing some kind of routine test. And he said this doctor stuck a little thing in his ear. No, not him, not Jonah, but he had that thing to do. And the doctor just pulled out like, looked like a pencil eraser of just wax out of his ear, which is incredibly disgusting. You know, when you think about it, and Jonah had the same thing too. It's totally weird and disgusting, yet at the same time, how many of us have that spiritually, that block in our ear, and you're kind of like, well, this, everything sounds fine. Oh, wow, that sounds way better. I can hear everything. Confusion is in the air, and only God's Word can cut through that confusion. His word can get in there and just cut through all the confusion. That's why we encourage everyone to read the Bible every single day. Why? Because whatever you repeatedly hear, you eventually believe. Hopefully, ideally, in a perfect world, you eventually believe the Bible. That's the dream, right? (laughs) That will actually take the word as it is, right? And say, yeah, if God says it, then that's who I am, and that's what I'm called to be, and that's what I'm able to do. Amen? Whatever you repeatedly hear, that's what you'll eventually believe. Cut through the confusion. Clear it all up. A buddy of mine the other day texted me and said, oh, man, I'm having a hard time. You know, just, I feel like a bunch of just, you know, cloud over me. I said, well, just start quoting the word, you know. Once you start quoting the word, all those little devil bats will flee out of there quickly. Start shining the light everywhere. Let the light get out there. And then you can see clearly, hear clearly. Last thing, God's favor on Daniel and his squad made them 10 times better. I'm, I'm pretty average in most things in life. There's a couple things I've done well, uh, but on, on the most times, I'm not trying to be the best. I'm trying to be like Jesus. And when I aim for Jesus, I become better at everything else. One day, hopefully, 10 times better. One day people look and say, man, how did you do that? And I can just say, man, I'll tell you what. Jesus had made me ten times better, a hundred times better, a thousand times, whatever, five times better, three times better. I'll take three times better at this point. Hey, I'm, I'm three times better than I used to be because I just said, I will not defile myself. I will seek after Jesus. I don't mind taking the time to get three times better to find ways to become more like Jesus every single day of the year. And, and sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And there's seasons where I'll expand and there's seasons where it won't be as busy and seasons where I'll feel like I declined a little bit. But I know that in the long term, I'm going for three times, five times, ten times better because I'm trying to be like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. We may not be the unblemished, we may not be the smartest or the richest or the best, but we're favored by God. And that's what's even better. Bow your heads as as we close tonight. I think it's time to shift our priorities and to get them off the physical and onto favor. And, And maybe you're here and you've been struggling with this or wrestled with this idea that you are somehow inferior due to physical appearance, I believe that God is here tonight to set you free. 
And if that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand because I want to, I want to pray for you. And I want to break that thing off. It's a lie from the devil. And you don't have to be condemned by that anymore. You can be completely set free. That there's favor. God's favor is more important than what you look like. And Father, you see the hands tonight, Jesus. Lord, when we come to the deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we say tonight, God, that mentalities are being broken. Lord, lies that have been on us from childhood, from teenage years. Lord, lies that have been placed upon us about our appearance, about the way we look or the way we talked or the way we did this or the way we did that. Lord, they're being broken tonight in the name of Jesus Lord, no more are we dealing with it. Tonight we walk in favor because of the grace of God, because of His work on the cross when He bloodied and marred Himself and became completely disfigured in His appearance so that we could have peace in our hearts. I thank You tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, we break it off. Lord, every weight that's been hindering us, every every sin that's been easily ensnaring us because of appearance, Lord, even on the night when people are celebrating the appearance of the good-looking, Lord God, we come tonight and we celebrate our diversity, our individuality, our celebration of who God has made us fearfully and wonderfully, Lord Jesus. And we don't come here to honor a man, Lord, to honor a statue, but we've come here to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, to give you all the glory, Lord, to say you are the best not for putting on an act or a show, but for being you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Maybe you're here tonight and and you've just been confused that you don't know the direction. You You feel like you've been wandering aimlessly. And tonight, I believe the Word of God is coming to clarify your mind. If that's you, just lift up your hand because I want to pray for you. You've been confused. Lord, no more confusion. Jesus, Lord, no more confusion. Lord, no more confusion. No more immaturity. No more childishness. Lord, no more thinking I should be doing this when I should be doing that. Lord, no more being affected by the the influence of the world. Lord, no more being swayed by the things that we've repeatedly heard unless it's coming from the Bible. Lord, we break off every lie of the enemy that's telling us that we're not the right thing, we're doing the wrong thing, and we come back to the Word, we come back to the basics, and we say, Jesus, I just want to be like you. I'm not going to be fooled by the lies of the enemy, no matter what they masquerade as. No matter whether they masquerade as success or fame or fortune or acceptance, Lord, we break off those lies tonight, Lord, so that we can come.